0: And we're back, and we have a special guest, Volunteer Roadshow's own VFL, Billy Ratliff, the MVP or the, the star of the show um, with this Arkansas rewatch that we're doing. Um, so, Billy, how you doing, man? Billy, you there? I'm here, guys. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Um, so, Billy, I was just kind of introducing you a little bit VFL, um, kind of the the savior for that '98 season with that stumble fumble at or it was against Arkansas. It was at um, in Neyland. Um, so, tell us a little bit of just kind of that season as a whole and and what was kind of your mindset. A lot of national media and I guess people around Tennessee thought it was going to be a rebuilding year, um, but it was. Definitely not the case. So, what was kind of y'all's mindset going into that season?
1: Well, you know, I'll tell you this here, man. You know, that season coming in after '97, after you know, we we lost quite a bit in '97 with Peyton you know, Leonard, you know, all those guys, and you know, a lot of people didn't think that we had a chance to, you know, win no more than eight games, and I'm including our coaches, you know, because our coaches you know, said the same thing. You know, I don't know if they was using it as a motivational tool or whatever, but, you know, I remember Coach Fuhrman saying that, you know, I think that we have a, you know, our team this year, we may win eight games, if that. And, of course, you know, that motivated us. You know, and then you got players like Al Wilson, you know, T-Mart, you know, Pillage Price, these guys, you know, you know the one person that really pissed off was Al Wilson. You know, I always <laughs> when they said that about eight games that we was going to win, Al went ballistic. He pretty much called a meeting with everybody and told the coaches to get the hell out of the meeting.
0: It's <laughs> fair. I mean, that and, that's, and that seems like something he would do.
1: Oh, man, <laughs> Al was everything you heard about Al is exactly who Al was.
2: Man. <laughs> we were uh, we were just talking we were, about his return and uh, after the field goal, the blocked field goal. And he's the only person I think I've ever seen that's scarier running the football than he is tackling. I mean, he looked like he was trying to hit someone as hard as he could as he tried to score a touchdown.
1: <laughs> hey, he was something else, man. I mean, was just, just – he didn't play, man. He was not the type of guy on the field you wanted to have tail with, man. I mean, he was – he was the coach. You know, You know, everybody said Peyton was coaching the offensive coordinators. Well, Al was the same way, and that was – you know, I'm talking about as a freshman, Al was like this. It wasn't till he became a senior that he became great, man. Al was like this when we first came in in you 95. Know, we both came in at the same time. And Al had this leadership thing that he had that was 24-7, man. I mean, even the older guys that we was playing with, you know, they, they, they looked at Al was like he was a senior. You know, that's the type of leader he was, man. And Al was just a special talent, man. When we – when I found out that Al – this is when I realized Al was going to be who Al was. It was the game where we played Memphis and lost to Memphis. And at halftime, I remember we was – you know, we was barely even winning at that time because, you know, Memphis, you know, they, they couldn't score on offense. You know, they I don't even think Memphis had 100 yards total the whole game and they beat us. And at halftime, you talk – about Peyton Manning as a Heisman Trophy candidate. Peyton Manning is like the Tom Brady now in college. You couldn't touch him. But at halftime, this is when I knew Al Wilson was going to be who Al became. When Al was cursing out Peyton Manning (laughs) and when, I mean, we were talking about Al's a freshman. Now, he's cursing out Peyton Manning, and then this is when I knew. When Coach Foreman looked at told, looked at Al and said, Al, you need to calm down. Al turned around and said, Coach Foreman, if you don't get out my you-know-what face, <laughs> oh. I'm talking to my teammate. You my coach, this is my teammate. This is between me and him.
2: <laughs> uh, and yeah. from that
1: moment on, man, that's what, what put Al to become the leader he became, man.
2: Yeah, and that kind of was the mantra of the whole defense. And I'm, I mean, I'm you know obviously it took more than Al Wilson, but he definitely was kind of the, I guess the, attitude setter. Is that right? Tone setter. Tone setter. Yeah. Uh, you all just I mean just that that defense especially in '98 was I mean just played <laughs> with an attitude. And I think it you know that la- that play we were just talking about where um, you were able to to wreak some havoc in the backfield uh, and, and create a fumble. What what was going on there in not only your minds but your teammates' minds? Because I, it flashes to the sideline and, and a couple of guys' heads are down. It definitely seemed like a loss before the Arkansas fumble. What, what was that play like? You knew you had to make a play, I assume.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's, I'm going to tell you like this. So, so, you know, everybody was trying to tell me you – know, they want me to tell the story what happened before the play and all these things here. And, I mean, everything that you heard about it was exactly true. You know, I mean – what I said to T Martin by keeping his helmet on, we about to get this ball back. Every defensive player in America, if they're not thinking like that when they're going on their field, they're not a player anyway, you know. And and, and when I said this to T, I didn't think it was going to actually happen. So when I told T, I I said, "Hey man, hey, keep your helmet on, man. We're going to get the ball back, man. I got you, baby." And and you know, I go out there, you know, and and, and guys, I'm telling you this here before that first and ten that we went on the field. I had zero tackles, zero tackle for loss. I had I didn't even have a pass breaker. Hey. I didn't have a tilt ball. I didn't have <laughs> anything.
2: Uh, you don't have to out yourself. We didn't read the stats off. You got <laughs>
1: to out yourself. <laughs> you know, but the thing is like my I mean, I'm I was used to having tackles right. for loss in the backfield and stuff because offensive linemen couldn't block me. If you block me one on one, it's not gonna work. But this kid that was across from me, man, oh, my gosh. Brandon Burwurst, man, when I say this, he was a monster. <laughs> you know, I mean, he didn't look like he was an All-American, a monster, man, because when I say, if you just saw him out there in front of you, you man, had these big coat bottle goggles on, you know, his pads was just hanging out to, you know, you know his hilt pads was hanging out, like, like, you know, your peewee pads and stuff, <laughs> and – you know my my defensive players like Al Wilson, Raynard, Fred White. All they do is talk noise the whole game to to the who they think is the weakest link on the offense, and they so happen to pick this man out because he looked like he wasn't ready, or whatever. And man, guys, when I say this here man here was a brick wall. I couldn't do nothing against him. I it was times I try to switch with Darwin Walker to get him to change position and come to the left side because I hey hey Darwin, hey man, this guy pretty strong man. I think if you use your strength against him, man, I think you can get to to the quarterback a lot easier. And of course Darwin's like, Okay, man, I got, you. I got that, man <laughs> You know, Darwin had that little soft spoken voice and he gets over there two plays, boom, boom, he's like, Hey Warren Man, we got to switch back, man. That <laughs> man's something serious, man. <laughs> but yeah, but on that play, though, man, like, you know, I got, up, I got to the point where I realized I, I was listening to the snap count. And Clint, you know, he had a serious, uh, a different a cadence when he was going to do a quick count and when he was going to try to make it a long count. Well, this series, he meant on first and second down, he did a long count to try to make us jump off sides or whatever. But I didn't care what he was going to do. I didn't care what play we call on defense. All I was going to do is run a 40 to the goal post and put my hands in this man's chest and push him back as far as possible. That's all I was thinking about is jumping a snap and try to get off the ball. I didn't think that when I got in Burroughs' chest and Bull rushed him that it was going to push him back. that far to trip over the quarterback's leg. And and of course, I still to this day don't know what the heck coach was thinking of calling a pass play when all they had to do was just milk the clock.
0: Correct. Right. <laughs> yep. That's used enough for you, I guess. <laughs>
1: man, oh man! And he'll tell you, man. He's like, yes, I was trying to win the game. I was trying to get a first down and run the <laughs> clock out. And and it'd be a lot harder for us to drive it down and score. But I don't think he was expecting the Travis Henry show to become what
0: it was. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, he he was a workhorse. And, you know, you, you talked about some of those guys. They mentioned earlier in the season, so we're, we're watching through the whole season, um, they mentioned um, not, not Travis Henry, but uh, Jamal Lewis and Al Wilson had a um, bench press contest that they had to stop because they didn't <laughs> want either one of them to get hurt. So do you know for a fact... Did did they finish this uh, maybe on their own zone?
1: Well, they did. I mean, Jamal was a Jamal was a monster man with the bench press, man. I mean, I was too, man. But Jamal was a different breed, man. I mean, I've seen this firsthand. You know, I mean, you're talking about a running back bench pressing 400 pounds like it wasn't nothing, man. I mean. It's crazy. You know, 400 pounds, that's a lot of weight, man. People <laughs> don't realize that, but 400 pounds is not light, man. And, and I'm talking about it wasn't just your any type bench press. You know, you're talking about the prison-style bench press where he bounced it, push it back up, and come halfway up, I mean, halfway down, and push it right back up like it was nothing, man. I mean, that's <laughs> that, that – and in that competition that day when him and – uh, you know they I think it was like they were doing like 350 then they went to 375 and then 405 or something like that you know that was like the reps like six reps of this and then eight reps and all this but when they got to the 405 man <laughs> I'm watching these two do this cuz they worked out together cuz they was roommates so you basically you know you worked around worked out around your schedule with each other because they rode the campus together so they had to work out together well I'm like, man, ain't no way they about to do this. I mean, because I know what they've bench pressed before. You know, I know they can do 350 like it's nothing but. We had strength coaches, man, that would make you believe that you can lift the dang old mountain, man. They, be You know, I have these guys, these personal trainers that barely touching the bar, talking about some one more set when you don't have nothing left. <laughs> well, that's what our strength coaches were doing to Jamal and I. They got to the 375, and I remember Al pushing it up like it was just like a piece of paper. And Jamal got over there, and then he got up and he did 380. And Al was like, "You know what? Let's try this 405."
0: Oh my goodness! They
1: don't. had never did 405 before, man. And they gonna put 405 on this bar. <laughs> so they get
2: it. It's 405, uh, the
1: highest. Yeah, and then Al got it. So Al had a different <laughs> technique when he did the bench. He would drop the bar, the weight on his chest so hard where it bounces off his chest, Golly. and it goes right back up. I'm like, man, I, I don't know how you do that because if I minutes. bounce it off my chest like that, I feel like my rib cage is going to
2: collapse.
0: Yeah, your heart will stop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and when Al got the 405, Jamal was not going to let him outdo him. And sure enough, Jamal did 405 like it wasn't nothing. <laughs>
2: And that's when they quit.
1: They quit at the four
0: five. They didn't let them go no more. <laughs> They're
1: done.
2: That's, yeah, that, was probably, that was probably. I mean, I, obviously they were freaks, but I'd imagine that was some adrenaline working. The, oh yeah, the bar I mean too.
0: that that was probably just that whole team, just the the competition and and all of them. You, and you hear a lot about it today. And guys don't want to go to different schools because they might have to sit behind somebody. They don't really want to earn their spot. But it, it, there was just a different mindset with this group that the competition was always there.
1: My guys, competition on my team when I played, it was gosh, you know, there was not a day that there wasn't a competition. You know, I'm mean, being I'm talking about from getting to the stadium first. I'm talking about who had the cleanest car. I'm talking about who had, you know, who, who, it just, it was comp- competition all the time, mad competition. Hey, it can be Tiger Woods golf or something. You know, we competed against everything. Who had the best dip and rip mood? You know, we competed about anything, but when it came to practice, guys, I tell you like this here, man, i would never played in a game harder than any practice other practice. <laughs> You know, and I'm serious. I mean, me me playing against Brandon Bursworth was practice for me every single day because I had a kid by the name of Cozy Coleman that was across from me that I had to go against every single day during that time. And I mean, Cozy, those are the my two toughest offensive linemen I ever played against ever was Cozy Coleman, Brandon Bursworth. Nobody else can block me. That's Point blank. Period. <laughs> I like if that. If you yeah. play me one on one, there's no blocking me. You're gonna have to double team me.
2: We've got film to prove it too. If they have a question about it, we got film to prove it. Uh, so, Billy, I, I, have, I have a question. So,
0: you, you come from Mississippi, so you're not you're not a Tennessee guy. You, you have a lot. You have some Tennessee guys, but it's 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 like a good mix. Um, but with this class uh, currently, the 2021 class. Um, they're going out of state and, and getting all these, you know, big time recruits. What what's it like going from out of state to Tennessee? What, what was what was kind of that process like? And and what because you're still here, so you obviously enjoyed it that much. Where you're you're still enjoying it down in <laughs> Knoxville. So what what was kind of that like?
1: Well, yeah, I will tell you, man, like doing my recruiting process, man, it was a it was different from me because. I didn't know anything about Tennessee. I didn't know anything about any other schools besides Jackson State, Alcorn, Southern Miss, LSU. I didn't even know anything about Ole Miss. I didn't know anything about Mississippi State. None of that. Traditions, I knew none of that stuff. I just remember when I did come to Tennessee on a visit, all the kids, all of my teammates, everybody that I met, it made me feel like I was at home. It made me feel like each one of the guys that – committed to Tennessee that I ended up coming up here with, it reminded me of one of my teammates that I played with in high school. And still to this day, you know, me, most of my my teammates that I played with, they're still my friends. You know, we, we still talk, you know, it's the brotherhood that it, that we, we, we committed to and and created, you know, now we have, you know, we know each other's like, you know, family members, kids and everything. It was the family, orinated process is what made me love Tennessee. When we created that bond, and, you know, it, we haven't broken it yet, man, because we, I'm still cool with every last one of those guys, man. You know, I may not talk to them every single day, but once we get together, it's almost like we haven't skipped a beat. You know, Al comes in town, it's like we're we freshmen all over again. Fred comes in town, Peyton comes in town. It don't matter who it is. And and that's the process that, you know, I wouldn't even think, you know, going back to high school to now, I can't believe that I'm still here in Tennessee because the Billy Ratliff that came from Mississippi, my mom would tell you this, you know, I was a mama boy. (laughs) When I moved away to Tennessee and she dropped me off, you know, she dropped me off here at the age of 16 years old. You know, I'm a 16-year-old freshman here with grown men. You know, I've never been away from home. You know, I've never had to wash my own clothes. I never had to do that stuff. You know, I was homesick plenty of times. You know, I, I skipped town three times before I actually became committed to Tennessee football. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, man, the coaches can got me three times, man. Right?
2: Oh my <laughs> but, we're gonna, we're gonna but have to I, I wouldn't trade for nothing in the
1: world, man. I would yeah. do. I would. I would do it exactly the same way.
2: I think. I think that's great <laughs> to hear because I think everybody kind. Of... Um, we're gonna get Billy Ratliff back on though. Uh, not today. Uh, another time. Quick shout-out to him, though, obviously, with Volunteer Roadshow. He's got the morning chat with Billy Ratliff, and then he's on Volunteer Roadshow with Bobby. While I'm mentioning them, I'll also talk about Picked Off with Josh and Carter. Make sure you check them out. Uh, And plenty of written content on the website. So make sure you go check that out, too. Yeah.